Old Magic from Brick Cave Books. The Brick Cave Bo Podcast is brought to you by the BC Book Club, Brick Cave Media's community portal for readers that love Brick Cave books and authors. You can join today and be a part of the Brick Cave story at bcbookclub.com. And my name is Sharon Skinner. I'm the author of Return to Honoria from Brick Cave Books. We're here tonight in the Brick Cave studio located in the Brick Cave office right here in beautiful downtown Brick. No, it's not Brick Cave. Mesa, Arizona. So. Hey, I always ask you about writing updates. So what about you and what are you doing this month? Oh, um, so I'm editing my little sweet little heart out. Um, okay. So maybe it's not such a sweet little heart, but I am editing it out. I'm working on my middle grade steampunk, filling in the plot holes to that, loving the voice that I created for that. And some of the characters, just so much fun. And so that one is going really swimmingly. I mean, editing is editing, right? but I'm enjoying getting back into that world and hanging out with those characters and figuring out uh, where I've dropped the ball on them or, you know, let them down in any way that wasn't intentional because, you know, intent is everything. And uh, so I'm doing that. And then I just finished doing, uh, uh, using a tool called the blueprint for a book. And I used it to map out my second book in the Collars and Curses uh, series. So Datings and Dating and Demons. And I actually allowed, I, I kind of engaged with one of the other book coaches where I'm you know, book coaching through Author Accelerator. She's not certified yet. So she had to find a practicum client for this particular tool. And I said, pick me, pick me. I want to be on this side of the tool and try it out and see how it works for me. And I have this book that I'm working on anyway. And so we did that and we had our call today. She did a, a really good job because she made me, at first, of course, I'm like all full of myself and I'm reading her feedback and I'm going, yeah, no, that's because you didn't read the first book. And oh no, I know. Oh, and then I started to go, oh, wait a minute. Um, that's a really good question that requires a deeper dive. And, oh, that theme is emerging and I hadn't intended it. Oh, it's a glorious theme. I'm going to use that. I'm going to run with that. But I hadn't identified it. She did. So it was really a great experience to be on the other side of the coaching aisle and uh, have someone go through my work and give me that kind of feedback so that I can see the value of what I bring when I'm on the coaching side of it. So are they going to turn you into an outliner yet? I'm never going to be a hundred percent first off right away out of the gate outliner. My brain, it doesn't work that way. But part of this blueprint for a book included the inside outline for this book. And I did do the inside outline. And then I realized in our discussions that I need to actually go back in and do another inside outline for the subplots and for the uh, additional characters. So the secondary characters who have plot lines that are arced from the first book through the third book have to be included in this book, also need to have some sort of an outline done for them, for the key uh, tentpole scenes that they're involved in that uh, move their arc forward, right? So I get that. But I still have to write my way in. I still have to sit down and get to know the character first before I can then go, aha, 
now I know what your story needs to be because I know what you need to learn. So I don't know that I'll ever start at plot. I plot in my I plot is my great nemesis. It is my antagonist. And I think I'll always be I'll, I'll always be a character-driven writer. So I'll probably always have to write my way in to some extent. Yeah. But that's a good question. Yeah, I you know me. I just I don't know. sit down and write. Although on reflection, most of my books do have a plot that I have in kind of a half-assed notion in the back of my head when I dive into it. So, you know, this book is going to be about the team having to navigate, you know, political intrigue, or this plot is going to be about, um, you know, having to deal with prejudice and within the team. But how I do that and how those characters develop and even what happens to them. I mean, in, in Gold Magic, um, you know, Kermel wasn't going to leave the team. And, and then all of a sudden it was like, no, he's got to leave the team. <laughs> Wait, spoiler alert, spoiler alert, spoiler alert. Um, anyway, so that's it's interesting. I, I haven't, I've tried the inside outline. I got it from you mm -hmm. and I tried it. Yep. I didn't personally find it that helpful because I don't know that, and maybe I should, but I don't know that I think in terms of what these scenes and what these mileposts are doing to develop my character's arc. The right. arc just grows out of the fact that the character is reacting to the situations that I throw at them. And I have all these aha moments of, oh, yes, of course, that's what he would do. Not particularly planned or expected, but of course, that's what he right. would do because I know the character. I, I am the character in many right. cases, but it becomes then to me kind of artificial to try to say I'm going to use this scene to bring out this particular aspect. It just doesn't seem to work that well for me. So, so okay, so process is personal. You know me. I know that. I'm all at it. I, somebody told me the other day, you should get a T-shirt with that on it because <laughs> you, you say it so much. But uh, process is personal, and and I totally get that. I uh, think, though, that for me, especially writing series and having the painful uh, experience of writing myself into such a corner in the second book of The Healer's Legacy series and then having to find a way to write my way out of it which was excruciating for me because i had no clue because i was pantsing the whole thing pantsing series is hard especially if the series is supposed to have some sort of an arc and i and i'm finding that uh it helps me to have some idea of where i'm going that said, I wrote Collars and Curses by the seat of my pants, and I wrote it, no, leaving enough threads open. Again, I did the same thing, right? Ex over expecting different results. I don't know. But now that I'm writing the second book, I'm already planning for the third book. I already know whose book it's going to be. I already know more or less the, the big issue for that book. I may not know the plot of it, but I know the big issue for that book because I need this to be a full arc for these three books. And so when I sat down and I started writing Dating and Demons, I knew who the character was and I kind of, but again, it's the mushy middle because it's the middle book. Right. And that was really stalling me a lot from just being able to write forward. And 
I used the inside outline to kind of map out where I think it's going to go and why. And the value for me is that, and again, it's a roadmap. It's it's just like, oh, AAA, you know, map me out the a route between here and New York and give me some side trips on the way. But then when you see the mile marker that says, hey, there's a really cool looking thing three miles off the road over here, I'm going there, right? So I'm still going to write like that. I'm still going to be that much of a pantser and still let my characters take me where they will. But I have an a map to go back to revisit and say, oh, we went off the beaten path here. Here's why. Oh, maybe over here we'll get back on this path or maybe we won't, but I think we will. And it gives me someplace to put that instead of just the subconscious churn that goes on in my head, which is brilliant, by the way, I think, <laughs> but not always helpful for plot for me. Well, my personal observation of your books is that they often start out as standalones and then you kind of get this itch to go back and revisit and now all of a sudden it becomes a three book continuous story a little more is, yeah. Yeah. i mean collars and curses to me was a standalone book yeah you had some loose ends at the end everybody leaves loose ends at the end because it keeps folks interested it's not very satisfying if you tie them all up. Right. My writing with both the Prophet series and, and with Magic Law is that each book is a standalone. If I never wrote another one, there wouldn't be any loose ends or development that needed to be done. Now, yes, I'm developing these characters and I'm trying to show that they're changing from book to book. That would be stupid you know it would be pulp writing basically to have them be exactly the same in every book it's exciting sometimes but it, to me that's not particularly satisfying either but i don't sit i didn't sit down and plan this even when i got to I, this plan what plan was for three or four books but each book would be a complete standalone right so you could pick up book number four and it may take you a chapter to get up to speed on who these people are and what their relationships are. But then you could get into the story. There's no, you have to know that so-and-so and so-and-so -and -so did this before this event makes sense. And to me, that's the kind, mostly the kind of books I like to read because my reading is haphazard and chaotic, just like my life. <laughs> and so, right. you know, it, to me, it is, it is, nice to read a series from beginning to end but one of the things that frustrates me about trilogies or these long series is when this is clearly one continuous story and i get to the end and it's like i just stopped mid-chapter and now i've got to go get the next book to pick it back up again well, and, and I don't like cliffhangers in that respect. And I do think that every single one of my books has an arc. Even that second book for healers has oh, an I arc. Oh, very definitely own had an arc. And could have ended there. Yes. Nobody would have been happy with me. Well, okay. very few people would have been people happy. People would have been unhappy me. because of the way you wound it up, but less but because you left stuff unresolved. Right. But sometimes that's the way the story goes. Exactly. So, uh, so honestly, you know, I, 
I, but I get what you're saying. There's a difference between series and a trilogy. There's right. the difference between series and a duology. There's, you know, there tends to be a difference in an ongoing series like the Babysitter's Club or, you know, or what you do. It, it, it can have that feel of a, yeah, just this is, this is a story that you can read and, you know, go on your merry way. And if you never come back, that's fine. fine. Thank you for buying my right. book. Right. <laughs> go find something else you like. I hope you like my another book, my, my next book, but you know, uh, no, I get that, but I, and, and you're right. I, when I wrote the healer's legacy, I was like, Oh, okay. Well, I think this is a good book and maybe someday I might want to write another one. There's enough loose ends. I'm going on my merry way, but I had so many people who kept asking, are you going to write another one? Is there another book? We really want some more of Kira. We want more of this. We want more. And the, and as an author for me, you know, that is one of those things that I'm like, well, I liked it well enough to do another one and you want another one. So yeah, win, win. Right. And, you know, so I'm that guy and that's what's happened with callers is that right. I have people saying, are you going to write another one? Cause I really like this book. And it's, how do you say yeah, I, no to that? Unless... I, I love the character without even making it into a big arc of, you know, development, everything, just write another book with her voice doing snarky things with the supernatural. You know, I would be very happy. One of the fun things about the, doing the blueprint is one of the exercises is to identify your target reader. You know, what kind of books does your target reader for this yeah, book right. really like? And, and my response was, fan, um, YA fantasy with action and heart and a bucket of snark. Because, <laughs> <laughs> I mean, really, Marissa... I, she's the teenager I would like to have been growing up. Right. Right. So all, we all would have liked to have, you know, been her or dated her or something. Right. And, you she's know. pretty. Yeah. She's pretty <laughs> flossom. That's my new word. So flossom. Flossom. So I, I did a, um, when this, uh, I do these mindfulness uh, classes and they talk about, all sorts of different things, how to make your brain, you know, be happier or mellower or de-stressed, you know, things. And the one this week, uh, they said that they brought uh, one of the slides had a brain holding up a sign saying Flossom, F-L-A-W-S-O-M-E. And it said, it's a noun. No, it's a noun? No. It was, um, what did she say? It was, an adjective. It's an adjective describing a person who is flawed, but still awesome and recognizes they have flaws, but they're still awesome. <laughs> I'm all like, oh, that's my new word. I'm going to go with it. So it, it's probably going to end up in a book, probably coming out of the mouth of someone like mm, Marissa. Maybe. Yeah, maybe. <laughs> um, so, oh, you're so flawsome, right? I could just see it. I could hear it. But anyway, uh, yeah, so the second book is really, uh, it's, I'm driven to do it because I want Brie to have a, an opportunity for redemption. And I also want to see if I can redeem her. So, yeah. So, yeah. I, so I that's the setup. Why? <laughs> I, because she's a broken person and I just really, and I was really horrible to her. I was, I was, I abused that poor character and I feel guilty in a way. I was so cruel. You don't want to be the mean girl. <laughs> right? I want to be Marissa. I don't want to be Brie. But, um, but no, I, I think that it, um, I always kind of intended if I was going to write 
uh, another book in this series that Bree, one book would be Bree's book and another one would be Jared's. And it, not necessarily their book so much as their part of the story. And so this second book is going to be Bree's book, Bree's part of the story of the three book arc. And the third book will be Jared's. Yeah. So I already okay. know the big issue See, in Jared's like book. Yeah. Yeah, I too much planning. <laughs> I but but see, all that was done before I even sat down and did these inside outlines and things like that. All that thinking that, and some of that was that subconscious churn, and it's just a lot of it's getting it out on the page and then mapping it out. Right. And one of the interesting exercises in this blueprint is that at the at the end of the blueprint, after you do all the other things, because there's like 15 steps, right? The last step, uh, the 14th step, is write the first scene of the book. Now get up, walk around, take a break, get a drink of water, go to the bathroom, whatever, you know, come back, write the first scene of the book from a different, you know, viewpoint from a different, in a different POV, whatever it is, just come at it from another direction, start in a different place, whatever it is, just write the first. And you do that three times. And then you write the last scene of the book three times, just like that. Right. First step 15. And I am so excited about this scene that I wrote. It may not be the very last scene of the book, that, but the third time that I wrote my quote unquote ending scene, it went so deep and it, and it, it bookends the book from where I plan to start it so beautifully that it has to be one of the last scenes in the book. Now, if not the last scene, it's got to be somewhere in that ending because it's a key component. It's like, there's the arc. There it is. And, oh, right. So that was really fun. And the language in it is good. And I finally think I've captured Bree's voice for the book through that scene. And that's huge because I was struggling to connect with Brie on a level that would allow me to have her voice. And as my book coach today pointed out to me, that's because you've been seeing her through Marissa's eyes. And I was like, oh, yeah, duh, because the whole book, Collars and Curses, is all Marissa's viewpoint. And so, of course, she, it, I've been stuck seeing Brie from that perspective. So that was really a light bulb moment. It was really uh, opened me up to the possibility of where this book is going to go and how well it's going to go. So I'm excited about it. Cool. Sometimes those tools are really, really valuable. You know? And if you really want to try the inside outline uh, with feedback, I'm here for you. You can send it over to me and I can ask you those questions and say, so, you know, but that's up to you. I'm not going to push you. I'm not going to push. I know. I'm just, and it might be helpful because I'm stalled right now. So, yep. and we, and the idea of giving you all these kind of tools and saying, Hey, this is working for me right now is to get you installed. Right. It's I'm, I'm, for me I, to try and help you. So. I'm, I'm stalled because I need the linking. I know where I'm going. Right. Okay. And I know what the big reveal is going to be. That's good. So see, you got the but beginning and I, the end, huh? Because I'm writing a procedural. Yeah. You know, it's not one of these act of God or aha moments. There has to be the groundwork laid to reach the point where the character can say, Oh, it wasn't this at all. Right. It was it's the this. it's the Holmes moment, the Holmesian aspect of the detective work almost. Even the Holmesian thing is it Holmes was always into the I'm not going to tell you what's going on until right. I reveal it all. 
Right. I mean, you know. But, but I. But you know what I'm driving at is that there's you've got to plant the seeds. You've got to plant the. You've clues got to along. do all the foreshadowing. Right. There has to be a logical step by step progression right. from, you know, we think this is who did the deed and why to, oh my goodness, it was something else entirely. Right. Right. Yeah. That's a little, that's a different animal too. Cause it's, it's a different kind of book yeah. and it, you know, most authors, I think from what I can tell other than Elmore Leonard, who's maybe the glaring exception, but most authors I've read about or talked to who write this kind of fiction do very much fiction from an outline. Mm -hmm. Yeah. I mean, Elmore Leonard famously says, I just make up interesting people and let them tell their stories. And how do you get your plot so tight? Yeah, but you know, but he's, <laughs> but he's also the exception to the rule, right? Yes. So, and that's what we talk about when we talk about book coaching. We talk about you know, we're not Elmore yeah. Leonard. We're not I that like guy. Elmore we're, Leonard. We're I the, wouldn't worry about it. We're the average people. We're the ones who gotta muddle our way through and figure it out. And so these tools are really helpful. Yeah. But I, yeah. I'm not like I said. This is all kind of new territory to me because. Yeah. You usually don't First, get stalled. I don't get stalled, but I write action books. Right. And the action drives it forward. Right. Um, even the first two magic law books were a lot more action driven than yeah, you figuring usually, out the mystery. You usually, yeah, you usually move that forward and then layer in the emotional stuff later when somebody kind of kicks you. To do so. To yeah. Do so. <laughs> Yes, I know. <laughs> that internal story. Yeah. Yeah, I'm going to have to run some of this stuff by you and see what you think. <laughs> I'm here for you, man. All right. That's, that's, you know, that, we'll that's do. why we're buds, right? That's Absolutely. Why, yeah. So, um, so that's what you're working on. That's part of one thing I'm working on. Okay. Like, I'm still working my way through that. Um, mm -hmm. I've got, um, you know, my, my other big work that I keep plugging away at yes. I've actually done I took a break from the latest magic law and actually did a full chapter oh. in um proud waves be stilled which is the civil, the war, civil book. war book yeah ran it by my wife because she reads a lot of period romance now usually just before these events regency and early post-regency early early victorian i'm mid-victorian and she gave me some pointers i have the um ultra polite insult war going on between my female characters <laughs> you know things like oh i see you wore the dress that you wore to the garden right, party last month bless your sweet little heart yeah. i looked and looked for it's like but even in paris i couldn't find it <laughs> it's like <laughs> hmm, I like it, but that's because you got so deep into women's guitar. Oh, <laughs> far deeper than any straight man ever should, believe me. I can tell you the exact date that the oh bell-shaped bustle was introduced oh. into Paris fashion. <laughs> oh boy. Oh boy, even I don't know that. Ugh. It was 1861. Thank you. Now I do. See, it's good to the know. September showing. <laughs> 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 yeah, it went that deep. <laughs> wow. Okay. Alrighty then. <laughs> so, what are you reading, Bruce? <laughs> <laughs> A 
aside from treatises on women's fashion in the mid-Victorian era. Um, what have I read recently? I've read a couple of anthologies of modern writers' takes inspired by Sherlock Holmes. Okay. Some of them are straight-up Holmes stories. Mm -hmm. Some of them are takes similar to the modern, you know, Benedict Cumberpatch, Sherlock Holmes series. Mm -hmm. So it's Sherlock in the 21st century. Okay. Um, some of them are just other people who are applying the method. Um, one really interesting one was um, a Asperger's girl who is having trouble at school because of her Asperger's and she's got, you know, all the special ed classes and counseling and she's very high functioning, but she notices everything. everything. Okay. Ooh. And it's how she's then able to solve the mystery of who killed the gym teacher. Nice. Because she notices everything, everything. but because she's special ed and she's been labeled as on the spectrum, Nobody no. will listen to right. her. I don't want to believe her. <laughs> Ooh, so are these um, short stories? Anthology? Yeah, these are all short short stories. You know, none of them even reaching novella length. Okay. And and it's guys like you know Jonathan Mayberry and right. you know I mean it's well known authors. Yeah. And it's been fun to see how um, a guy like Barry Eisler, who writes modern super spy contemporary, you know death squad kind of fiction blends that into the Sherlock. Well, cause I know that there've been some anthologies published. I know Jenny, Jeannie Koch uh, wrote one, a story for one of those anthologies that was Shakespearean, uh, a Shakespearean. Sherlockian. Sherlockian. My brain just she, went. They're, they're, I, the two I've read are like the third and second and third that these collaborators have done so mm -hmm. genie may be in one of these yeah. that i just haven't picked up yet but it's been fun it's, yeah. it's just been a it's been a diversion it hasn't been any serious you don't have reading. to get too deep and you don't have to get, yeah. be too committed yeah. and it's too just, much of a commitment and it's right? a short story so i don't have to it, it starts it finishes it ends i can close the book and go to sleep move or on. move yeah. on to something else so that's been fun um did we talk about reading i think i read talked to you about reading um memory called empire Yes. So yes. that was that was a while. That was our last discussion. Mm -hmm. What else have I read since then? Oh, I read another Lincoln Lawyer novel by Michael Connolly, which I I just <laughs> some of them are getting. This one got a little bit outrageous, but they're just again fun. Yeah, if you to if, read. you know you're looking for entertainment, there's and I mean, aren't we all? I mean, that's kind of why we read in, in a lot of. I mean, we, it's a form of entertainment, whether you're go, wanting to go deep or not. And sometimes you just don't want to go deep and sometimes you just want fun. Right. I just, uh, I just finished a book, uh, by, uh, a local author who's also a journalist called, uh, her name is Srianti Pereira. And the name of the book is A Maiden's Prayer. And it takes place in, uh, 1970s Sri Lanka. Hmm. Uh, right after it was uh, designated no longer Ceylon and during a time of austerity and nationality uh, or nationalism, I should say, and uh, some interesting things like that. But it's basically the story. It's it's a, a young girl telling the story of her uncle's 
challenges in getting engaged and getting married because there's all this cultural stuff around marriage and, and engagement. And they were, you know, the family was trying to marry him off so they could get his, uh, because his sister had taken up residence in what was to be his family home, but he never claimed it. Be supposed to stay in the family, but, you know, it's all this cultural stuff and traditionalist stuff. And yet the character uh, was where, you know, the characters dressed sometimes in traditional dress and sometimes she would be wearing bell bottoms and bronze lipstick. And so it, there was some amazingly beautiful cultural descriptions of food and, and uh, tradition and things mixed in with that. And oh, by the way, you know, it's 1970s Sri Lanka and little did I know that people were wearing bell bottoms and stuff. what do I know about Sri Lanka, right? So it was a really lovely exposure to a period of time that, uh, that dug a little bit into the politics, but also gave me this sense of um, similarities as mm -hmm. well as the differences, which I am really getting a lot more uh, out of these days, I think, from a lot of the reading that I'm doing. So I really enjoyed that. Um, that's the most recent book I read. So I'll have to talk about my other books that I'm read or reading next time because uh, it's about time for us to pull it to a close, Bruce. Yes, so, indeed. Thank you again for listening to this edition of the Brick Cave Podcast. Anytime you would like to hear us, just join us online at brickcavepodcast.com. RBC Book Club members can enjoy extra episodes and other great advantages such as free books. Details on bcbookclub.com. Thank you, everyone, again, for listening, and we'll drop in again soon. Thank you, everybody. Goodbye. Bye.